what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP Community, the community of adult children of aging parents. There are between 10 and 15 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and concerned about their own life as they age. In this segment, we're talking about downsizing dilemmas when stuff is in the way. And we're talking with Bridget Donnelly, founder of Donnelly's Estate Liquidation and Appraisal Services in State College, Pennsylvania. Bridget's passion is helping others deal with their stuff, and she comes by it naturally. As the daughter of antique dealers, Bridget says that she tolerated an endless stream of treasures coursing through her home. To accommodate new finds, her family moved frequently, carload by carload. Bridget found families in seven and business help others the stresses of moving and shed unwanted possessions. Bridget, Bridget is a Penn State graduate with a bachelor's in marketing and has certifications as a personal property appraiser, estate liquidator, and a senior move manager. She and Bill live in State College with their four teenagers. Hi, Bridget. How are you this morning? Good. Thanks, Francis, for having me. I'm delighted. In addition, we are delighted to have Alexis Richmond joining us for the podcast. Alexis is a junior at Winston-Salem State University in North Carolina and a gerontology major. She also is a full-time student and a mother of a 10-month-old little boy. And when her mom needs help, she is the one who gives that help. But Alexis is interning with us this semester with ACAP and the first, uh, one of the first of our interns. Alexis, we are so glad you're here. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Okay, let's get into this. Uh, Bridget, downsizing is a big buzzword these days. You read about it online. You hear about it mentioned in conversations. It's an issue for both the older adult and their families who are trying to help. I'm sure you hear this question from every client, but how do I begin to downsize? Yes, Francis, that is one of the first questions we hear. Um, typically, the first question I ask it back is, you know, what is the situation you're dealing with and, and what are your goals and timelines? The process of downsizing might seem fairly simple. You, you're basically talking about getting rid of unwanted stuff. Um, but how you go about that is very dependent on your situation. 
uh, different scenarios that you that the family might be facing or the older adult might be facing would require different approaches. So, for example, perhaps they're making trying to make the home safer so that the loved one can remain uh, in the home. Perhaps they're planning for a move and need to get the house ready to sell. Uh, some people just want to do some basic decluttering. And then we have the situation of having to empty a home after the owner passes away. So there are a number of different situations. Do, is there, would you like to give me an example of one that you hear about commonly? Um, yes, let's start with this situation. Um, a mom wants to get rid of her clutter and treasures, but no family members wants them. How can we help them? Okay, this is a very common scenario, Alexis, and, and here's why it's so common today. Family members, particularly younger folks, don't necessarily have the same emotional attachments to the stuff that's filling the family home. And, and sometimes that stuff has been piling up for generations. Um, the, the younger family members may not have ever met or knew the people in the photo albums or the great grandfather who used those antique tools that are in the basement. And so those things aren't meaningful to the younger generation. Uh, younger people generally have much different tastes than aesthetics, and they want less stuff generally. Um, so uh, because they're more mobile um, and they don't necessarily have a place of their own to stash it all, they're not really big on taking in all of what mom wants to give away. And, and finally, some of the younger baby boomers, uh, those who are in their late 50s and early 60s, already have their own overstuffed houses and really no room for anything else. So a lot of times what you see is the family members putting their hands up saying, no, thank you. I, I don't want all this stuff that mom wants to give away. But let me give you some ideas for how the family can help mom and dad in address this issue. Um, and I'll preface by saying that it really helps to acknowledge the, the older adults' feelings and to show respectful consideration to them. Um, that helps lessen some of the pain of loss and rejection and, you know, why, why doesn't anyone want what I've cherished? Um, and it helps to ask questions, to listen to them, and to show empathy for what they're going through. So often I start by acknowledging just how having to downsize might feel to that individual. You know, what are they going through? You know, it's often very disappointing, sad, frustrating moment. They get angry that they have to face letting go of their stuff. Um, as you're working with the older adult, um, take the time and walk down memory lane with them. Um, I find often that it helps them to revisit where they got something, why they kept it. Um, and, and we talk about remembering the joy and the satisfaction that came from having that, that being gifted or purchasing it and using it. Um, and I'll say things like, you know, that's really served you well, or, you know, you made a lot of people happy using that casserole over all these years. Um, and it's really preserved your memories for quite a long time. Um, oftentimes I ask, and it's helpful to ask the older adult, you know, is there somebody in the family that might really cherish and want this? And can you pass it down to them 
and and pass those memories along. Um, sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes uh, the, the older adult will recognize, oh, I could give it to a neighbor who's always commented about this. Um, maybe the sewing group can use a lot of the fabric that I've acquired over the years. We have a client going through that right now, passing on tons and tons of usable sewing materials. Um, charities are often a good outlet for things that um, it's better to give it to a charity than to, to toss it. Um, schools are often a good target for those um, hand-me-downs or, or uh, items to be passed along. When, when you rehome something for that um, older adult and that loved one, they're going to feel better because typically that generation does not want to waste things they spent good money on. I mean, nobody really does, but if you can help them see another purpose and beneficiary for what they need to get rid of, they're going to feel better about that. And um, not everything is necessarily resaleable, but a lot of it is reusable and, and that helps them bring closure and not feel like their stuff is just being tossed in the trash. Um, what can a family member do to help in this type of situation? Okay, good question. So family members can help by brainstorming with the loved one about the donation possibilities um, and finding outlets for unwanted items. The, the younger family member may be aware of more options for those donations, or the older adult might have some uh, people in mind already that could use some of the stuff they're not going to keep. Um, Oftentimes, it's helpful for the younger person who may has, have some more um, research capabilities with their computer um, or they've networked with family and friends um, to know where they can place items. And all that help uh, in that collaborating is goes a long way towards dealing respectfully with the, the items the older adult has. Um, interestingly enough, when I bring this up with um, older adults, uh, and, and I think it's because this is being re reinforced more um, frequently in the media. I hear them say, yeah, I know nobody wants my stuff. Um, and they, there is a trend towards, as, as more about downsizing is published in the media, the older adults and the family members acknowledging you know, times are changing and uh, no one is going to love the stuff like they did. And, and it is okay to let it go. Good information, good insight. Okay, so let's take another scenario. Here's one. Dad doesn't want to part with anything, but his house is unsafe as it is. How do we open the conversation and help him? Okay, this is another common situation, Francis, and it's tricky because fundamentally it's creating a parent-child role reversal where the adult child is now parenting for safety reasons. And that doesn't always go over well. Uh, I think the more you approach this conversation with an attitude of trying to be helpful and trying to be considerate and being willing to compromise, you know, versus being authoritarian and judgmental and controlling, which is often what the, the older adult is hearing, you know, the odds are greater that you'll get the older adult to cooperate. Um, no guarantees that this will work for everyone, but it's worth a try to be more collaborative than parental. Suggested client-centered approach, which starts really with empathy and respect, which I mentioned earlier. Remember, you are addressing the safety issues and needs, and it helps to keep that forefront. Um, 
and it helps to prepare a list in advance of your concerns um, before you sit down with the older adult and bring this up. But again, start by acknowledging their feelings because this is not just about a loss of their stuff or pulling things away from them that make for an unsafe situation. It's what they're going through is, is recognizing that you know they're losing their physical, perhaps cognitive abilities. And with that, their independence too. And now here's somebody telling them they can't keep what they love. Um, so make suggestions at first are just about a few initial changes. Um, don't overwhelm them with too many changes at once because change is difficult, particularly at this age. Um, and let them have a say, you know, have a conversation, let them have a say and, and hear them out. And you may not necessarily agree, but let them speak. Um, and give them choices. You know, often there are reasonable choices where the older adult can can participate in those choices, and and it gives them a sense of retaining control over their situation. So, for example, um, and I and I say this quite often. You know, maybe the the clutter that's posing the risk, or the furniture that's posing a risk to their mobility in the house, can be stashed or stored with a family member rather than you permanently taking it away from them. Um, sometimes there's a more stable table that can be swapped out for the one that's about to crumble. Um, so you you know looking for alternatives and giving them choices rather than making it so black and white and this has got to go and, and you don't have a choice is, is a much better approach. Um, it also helps to remind them, and you might have to do this often about, you know, why you're doing this, you know, past, bring up, well, remember this table, you know, almost crushed under your weight when you can't lean on it. Um, remind them of past instances of, um, falls or situations perhaps that maybe some of their friends have experienced and, and suggest that we're, we're decluttering so this doesn't happen again or it doesn't happen to you. Um, and remind them that the safer they make their own home, the longer they can stay there. You know, let's remove the stuff so that you can stay in the house. That's um, a good point. Yeah. That's with my own father, I started a conversation with him uh, asking him, you know, what could we do to make his apartment more accommodating to his needs because he absolutely did not want to leave it. You know, what could we make um, different so that his life and his movement through the home were a lot simpler and problematic? What could we rearrange or move out of the way to make sure he could reach and access what he needed? And, and then I brought up the concerns about his um you know, safety and what was unsafe. And I made suggestions. And, and I have to say that this wasn't a one-time conversation. This is a process that has to be addressed over and over. Uh, so for example, my dad had oriental runners on top of wall-to-wall -wall carpeting that kept creating a tripping hazard because the carpet would buckle. And as he recognized he tripped a few times, the more he tripped, uh, the, the more he recognized this is a problem and he became more agreeable to the change. And finally, he agreed to letting me roll them up and tuck them in the corner. And I didn't take them away, but he agreed to them being moved out of his way, which made for a safer um, situation. So have that conversation, let them participate, try to come up with some options. You know, I will say this, don't go to war with very stubborn and insistent loved ones. Um, instead, 
it sometimes helps to take back off and take the path of least resistance. You can often improve the safety by moving things out of the way rather than removing them completely, as I suggested, or, or rehoming them with a family member. Um, and, and you might have to revisit this often because in some cases, the piles will regrow around them, such as paper, periodicals, dishes, trash, things that, that they just kind of plunk down beside them. So this could end up being something that is an ongoing process. Excellent, excellent ideas on what we can do to downsize and help our parents downsize. So here's another question that we've heard from many older adults. How do I begin down to downsize? Where do I start? Okay, that's another uh, common question that we hear. And it helps to answer some questions um, about what you're dealing with before you even start the downsizing process. So I start with, what are we trying to accomplish here? Uh, are we getting ready for a move? Um, are we just emptying the basement in the attic because that's been weighing on you for quite some time? Are we trying to make the home safer? Uh, are we starting to bequeath uh, items to, to family? Um, because each of those scenarios uh, suggests a different approach and a process for each. Um, the next uh, issue to address is you know, what is my timetable? And, and are there any critical dates and deadlines to consider? So uh, I'll often hear, well, I want to start downsizing. We're thinking of moving in maybe a year. And um, and I'll start asking questions like, well, are you going to list and say, you know, are you going to list the house? Uh, or has your house already closed? And now you've got a closing date uh, weighing down on you. Um you know, maybe the family is coming to visit in the summer. And well, that represents a great opportunity to engage them while they're there on what do you want to take? What, what would you like to keep of mine? So the timing of that visit is really important to their process. Um, oftentimes, the, what's driving this process is the availability of the new cottage they're going to move into at the retirement community. When will that happen? When can I get access to my new home? Um, and other things I've had people say to me, well, I'd like to get started on downsizing and planning a move, but we're going away for the whole winter to Florida. <laughs> so that obviously has an impact on their availability and, and when you can schedule this to happen. Um, we put together project timelines. It's very, very helpful to have a timeline to manage the project, to see what's happening when, um, what are those critical dates. And, and I suggest sharing that timeline with family members so they can see. We talked about families saying, I don't want any of your stuff, mom. Uh, we have found that when you put this down on paper and there is a timeline, the adult children often come back around and say, oh, I see this is really happening. Uh, maybe I should go through my closet and go through my trophies and Boy Scout badges and whatever. So that timeline is a real sneaky, not really sneaky, but it's a really helpful tool to kind of make everybody understand this is really happening and this is when I need it to happen. Um, as I said, it, it helps to to manage when family can participate. Uh, another reason to do the timeline is um, I've had clients say, well, I'm going, I, I, I want to have my family come and vote on 
what they want to keep. And I've gotten everything out of my china closet and put it all over the dining room table. And when can you come to help me look at what's there? And I'll say, well, I can't come for two weeks. And now they've got all their china sitting out for two weeks. So using a calendar as simplistic as it sounds is really, really helpful for that that planning. Um, Another important question you know, I ask is who's involved and what's their availability and what is their authority in this this process of downsizing and moving? Um, are there family members that you want to offer items to? Um, where are they and when can they come to make decisions and, and how will that impact your timeline? I've um, had situations where the older adult has to wait a while uh, with this process because she's absolutely wants to her kids who are coming at Christmas and it's August. So she's got a long time to wait until they can come and weigh in. And she's willing to make that wait because it's really important for her to see the stuff and make their choices. Um, another critical issue is um, who has decision-making authority. Um, I've had situations where the adult children are saying, well, I want to start to get rid I'm fed up with my mom's situation. It's unsafe. She's got stuff piled up around her and they want to start sending stuff out the door, but they don't have decision-making authority. It's not, they don't own the stuff. It's their parents. And they may not necessarily be the chosen one to do that for mom. So that becomes a real important role, uh, an issue to define the roles that each participant is playing and 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 who's going to do what and, and, and who's going to do that with the authority to make those decisions. Um, once the older adult has considered, you know, what they want to accomplish, I go back to those scenarios of I'm getting ready to move, you know, then they need some criteria for deciding how do I get started on what I what I have in front of me. And fundamentally what you're talking about Um, The three simplest criteria are, do I use it? How does it work for me? And if I'm moving, is it going to fit in my new space? And how significant is it to me? You know, when did I last use this? And if I'm keeping this just because I might use it in three years, is that a good decision? Um, So those are the simple criteria for how to get started. Do I use it? Does it work or will it fit? And how significant, how much do I care about this? Um, so in retrospect, downsizing is simply a process of elimination. Um, you know, What am I keeping um, for me? What am I offering to anybody else? And what am I getting rid of? Using those criteria and those, those issues about managing how this rolls out. So I'll give you a few quick tips to kind of make this a bit more concrete. Start downsizing in a room or try starting in a room that has low emotional baggage. So for example, a room where you just have stuff stashed and it's stuff you don't use frequently um, because that's typically a space in which you'll make good progress and then you'll be encouraged to continue. You know, a closet where you have a bunch of extra stuff that you've just buried um, and it's not like family heirlooms, it's like extra band-aids. Go in there, that's a place with low emotional baggage. Another tip, if it's something that you use regularly, then you probably should keep it, okay? But make sure it's going to fit. Um, If you haven't used it in a year or more, you're probably not likely going to miss it. 
Another tip is um, that you can always start downsizing with paper in the home. Um, I found this interesting statistic that in the United States, we throw away enough paper each year to heat 50 million homes for 20 years. Oh, that's a lot of paper. Now, that's the paper we throw away. What about all the paper we don't throw away? I mean, we could have green energy forever. <laughs> so paper is often one of those categories that you can attack. You can sit in a chair. You can clear, begin to clear surfaces, begin to clear out drawers, um, files. And that is another perhaps low emotional baggage place to start where you can def definitively see progress being made. Wow. Bridget, you're giving us such good information. And I keep remembering when my mother moved and how helpful some of these tips would have been. But, but let's go to a little bit different step. Okay. So the older adult agrees to let go of the stuff. They're getting, they're ready to get rid of things, but they nor their family have any idea what to do with it. What do they do with things they don't want to keep? Another good question, Francis. Um, and, that, and that's a broad question. Yeah. And I'll start with a broad answer. That depends. Uh -huh. uh, it depends on, you know, can this stuff be sold? Is it usable but not saleable? Uh, is it trash? Is it recyclable? Um, so let me start. I call it working the food chain. So if we start with the stuff that can be sold, then there are a whole other series of questions to answer. You know, what is it worth and to whom? And, and what is the best way to sell? How do we find those buyers? And what will it cost to sell it? Um, such as shipping fees, commissions, you know, handling the, the and, and you know, what is your time worth to, to try to get some money out of that stuff? Um, how much time do you have to try to sell that? You know, sometimes there's, uh, you've heard of forced liquidations. That's, we've got to hurry up and get this out of here. Um, and other times you have a long time to see if you can find some money for what you're getting rid of. And, and so basically what we're looking at is what's the most efficient way to maximize revenues, minimize costs, and not jeopardize the timeline that you're working under uh, or, or running up the bill to try to sell things. So, you know, we see scenarios all the time because we liquidate estates where, um, and, and, and often that's involved with a move where we've moved somebody and now we've got to clear the house out because the house just sold and there's a closing date. So all those things weigh in on what do you do with what's left? Um, Answering those questions um, that I just listed can help families figure that out. You know, what do we do with what we don't want? Um, but oftentimes those families need resources that it, they don't do this on an everyday basis and they're looking for help. And uh, they're basically looking for help with valuation. You know, what are things worth and what are my options for getting rid of stuff? Some of those resources that they can tap would include professional appraisers, uh, estate liquidators, um, and vetted trusted resources that do this for a living um, and that know the market and they know the realities and they know how to get rid of stuff. And senior move managers are also resources to that end and they often have their own resources. So you're plugging into a network of resources to help understand what I have, what's it worth, if anything, and what's the best way to get rid of it. 
Um, and, and that's a, a good place to start. That is a lot to think about. So exactly where do you start? <laughs> Another good broad question. Um, so fundamentally, if, if you're looking at that food chain, as I talk about, and when I say the, um, we work the food chain, we look at, you know, what's saleable, what's usable, but not saleable. So it can be donated and, and well, and what's trash, you know, this is of course, after family and friends and the loved one have all claimed what they're keeping. Um, and, and you start by looking at value or worth. And I, I'll preface this by saying there's emotional value and then there's fair market value. And emotional value is, is what a loved one or family thinks something is worth. And it is almost always higher than fair market value. Um, fair market value is what someone will pay you today for something that they want, assuming you're not forcing them to, to take it. There's no gun to their head, so to speak. So my my father was a prominent antique dealer and auctioneer for 55 years. And I'd follow him around and say, hey, dad, what's this worth? What's that, that worth? And he would always reply, it's worth what someone will give you for it. And notice I said give, the present tense. It is not necessarily worth what it cost or what great uncle Fred said it was worth or all the stories that you heard about it and its potential value. It, it is worth what an interested party today will give you for it. And that's give present tense today. So a big um, decision factor in what to do with the residue of an estate has to do with its value. What's worth bothering with and what's not? And it's this is a real issue because there is so much coming out of homes these days because of the number of people that are passing away and because the number of people that are downsizing. So in America, and this has been true for a number of years now, every day about 10,000 adults turn 65 and they're all downsizing and their adult children are helping them downsize, or should be. And then the adult children are waking up and saying, I better start doing this for my own household because, oh my gosh, this is horrible, and I don't want to leave this for my kids. So fundamentally what's happening is there is a tsunami of stuff coming out of homes. And as I said earlier, the younger generations, they don't want this stuff. They want their cell phone, and that's about it. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but... Um, you've got this huge supply of stuff hitting the marketplace and a very little demand. And that really hurts the value. It's a supply and demand issue and value drops when there's an oversupply and very little demand. So um, that's the marketplace reality. And then on top of that, you have a situation where a lot of what is coming out of these homes and what mom and dad have used has been very well loved, as I say. Um, and it's really no longer attractive or useful to anybody. So that's a hard pill for mom and dad to swallow. Um, in light of that, I try to add some levity when I talk with older adults and say, boy, you sure got your money's worth out of this, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I do try to point out to them, you put an emotional value on this, rightly so, 
And it is so much greater than what someone's going to pay you for it. But you have to remember that that's okay. And that's not uh, a statement or an indictment of your tastes, but that's the truth. That's reality. So to get back to your question, Alexis, about, you know, where do you start? We start by looking what the at what the client has and we rule value in and we rule it out. And then we come up with a selling plan if there is stuff there to sell that's worth bothering with. And, and that plan could be very simple, such as bringing in uh, a clean out buyer um, or, you know, maybe there's not that quite that much to deal with. Or maybe the wishes of the older adult are, let's donate this. I'd feel better about donating it all. Um, and, and so those are some of the choices for dealing with what's left in the house and, and how to get started. So what about when, um, you know, when families say, we just know that, that these things are worth a lot, you know, no, we don't want to, we don't want to donate. And certainly we don't want to take less than what it's worth. How do you address the concern when the family thinks that there's considerable money to be made in selling the contents and you're looking at it going, yeah, maybe not. Well, so again, another good question. And families can hire a professional appraiser or a liquidator um, to advise them. And again, essentially rule value in and rule it out. Um, I, I say to our um, the, the families we deal with, I'll give you information and you make decisions with that. I'm going to give you value information and you can make a keep or sell decision with that information. And it's always your decision to make. Um, I'm not going to offer them money to buy it and beware of a situation where someone tells you what something's worth and then they offered it uh, to buy it from you because there's a conflict of interest there. Um, I tell families, if you don't like what the market will bear and you're going to just be sick about getting, you know, $100 for something that you think is worth 10,000, then find a way to keep it and go back to that list of who can I give this to? Who can I donate this to? Who can take this off my hands and keep it for me? And I don't feel awful about what it brings in the marketplace. Um, Some high value items uh, warrant the the time and the effort to, to be marketed separately and there are buyers out there for specific categories of things. And, and in a, someone who has experience in liquidating estates and or an a, appraising personal property um, can advise uh, families of this. You know, items of generally higher value would include jewelry, coins, guns, gold and silver. Um, those have... Um, kept their value, so to speak, and generally bring fair, fairly good money. Um, families can turn to auction houses to get information. Um, there are online marketplaces like Facebook Marketplace and eBay. Um, there are consignment stores. There, there are lots of different ways to get rid of things. Uh, and um, there are resources to, to give you information. My advice is to talk to others who perhaps use those resources and vet out those resources so that you're not being taken. And that's a big fear with this group of older adults. And nobody wants to be vulnerable to somebody coming and taking advantage of their situation. Um, Once the saleable items have been dealt with, 
you know, then you move along the food chain, you know, what can be donated? Um, there are lots of charities that will take stuff that have uses. Um, I donated uh, boxes of used office supplies, notebooks, papers, staplers, staples, pens to our local uh, organization that actually is putting these things in the food bank where people come to get food. And if they kids need school supplies, they can just take what they need. So no point throwing it out, get it into the hands of people that can use this stuff. And, and so much of what comes out of homes these days, because of how much there is, it's, it's brand new in the wrapper and somebody can use it. It's a matter of connecting with those resources that are feeding stuff back to the community. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff that can be recycled, electronics, uh, metal, um, uh, appliances, wood, cardboard, you name it. And most communities have some type of recycling situations um, so that less stuff has to go to the dump. Um, sometimes families take on that responsibility of making those donations and liquidating contents uh, I will raise my hand and say, hey, let me just take a look at what you have so that you don't necessarily toss out the $5,000 beer can. And we did find one of those once um, and or the stuff, uh, the the grandfather's um, stash of World War II newspapers that he brought back from Germany that had value what looks like trash could easily bring some money and what looks like it could be worth a lot of money may not be worth anything, but um, it, it's helpful to find those resources and, and they can be Googled uh, and, or you know contact um, friends who perhaps have used some of those resources to help get rid of stuff. Great, this is all very, very good information. Um, so I have another scenario for you. So mom and dad have decided that it's time to move. Um, what are some issues that they may consider as they get ready to help them move out with all their stuff? Well, this is a, a real common um, scenario. Trying to get moved while you're living in the house and, and, and if you throw clutter and a lot of congestion on top, that complicates things. Um, we run into this all the time. Um, and even if your house isn't super cluttered to begin with, it's still a huge challenging process to try to downsize and make those 300,000 decisions uh, and, and to get ready to move, plus all the other details involved with the, 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 at the other end of the move, uh, and keep your house looking like it should appear uh, as they do on HGTV after the stagers have been through, um, and be ready for anyone to look at your house any time of the day or night and to turn on a dime. That is a real significant challenge. And oftentimes, the process of getting ready to move and being ready to move are conflicting uh, activities. So here's a few important questions that families should consider uh, as they as they get ready to move. That Again, I, I ask a lot of questions because I think the more you think through these things, the, the you tend to go in circles less. Um, first one is, do I wanna live in my house while it's being shown? especially during COVID. Um, 
the realtors have come up with an interesting uh, alternative to dragging people through their house, which is to, to have people zoom their house. And so they, they still want to stage your house. And so do you want to live uh, and, and try to get ready to move while your house is being shown, even if it's on zoom? Um, but inevitably someone's going to want to come and and make uh, a visit and see the house in person. And that's a real risk, particularly for older adults, before we've all reached herd immunity and gotten our vaccine. So that's a real important question, particularly these days. Um, Second question is, do I want to tackle downsizing and move preparation while I'm trying to keep my house looking impeccable? And I just mentioned that. And that is very hard for people who have very full cluttered houses, because that has to be dealt with before you can even approximate staging. Another question, can I move first? Um, and then tackle what's not moving with me. Um, There are uh, creative financial strategies that your financial planner may be able to help you with. I I talked once uh, not too long ago with a financial planner who was working with an older adult and she really wanted to move into a, a retirement community but felt she couldn't afford it. And he said, let me visit the community with you. Let's look at the numbers. And he actually was able to advise her that in fact, she could afford it. Uh, with a bridge loan or perhaps moving some money around with her savings. So sometimes what is possible may not be evident and you can make those decisions with the help of someone who can guide you and actually move first, which is far easier on the older adult. Another important question is when will my new home be ready? Um, Never, ever, ever, ever agree to a closing date without being certain of when you can get into the new place. A couple of years ago, we had two uh, situations where we actually had to go out and find a temporary living situation, an apartment and move a client there because they agreed to a closing date before their apartment at the retirement community was ready. It cost them twice. They had a double move and it was extremely stressful. And so, Know when you can get into the new place before you agree to leave the old one. Um, Another question, what needs to be done to prepare my house to list and how long is that going to take? So when can I safely say I'll be ready because I've got to strip wallpaper and patch holes and shore up the wall in the basement and all those other things? When is a good time to list my home for sale? In certain markets, there's um, a bad time uh, in, in our marketplace, it's always a good time, but realtors can advise you on when's a good time to list so that you can use that to help drive the timeline. And what kind of help do you have to get ready for the move? Because the more help you have, the easier it'll be. You know, by far, the easiest approach is to move first, if you can do that, and then deal with emptying the house and renovating if necessary. Uh And when that's not possible, then you go to plan B. But um, those are all really important issues to consider as you think about and plan a move. Um, One resource for this would be uh, senior move managers um, who can uh, help you identify and plan for all the issues and considerations involving a late in life move. Uh, The National Association of Senior Move and Specialty Managers 
um, has a link on their website. It's nasmm.org. You can go to that website, click on find a senior move manager in your area, and you can find qualified resources to help you with that planning process. Bridget, you have given such great information, questions to ask, tips, resources. I mean, this is like, uh, I can see people just taking notes, fast and furious. Okay, now how do I do this now? Where do we go? This is great. Thank you so much for being here and, and sharing this great information. And Alexis, thank you for being part of this conversation. This has been great. We want to thank you also, our listeners, for joining us. We hope this has helped you become more knowledgeable about how to help your loved ones or possibly even yourself deal with the stuff when it's time to do so. Before we end, we also want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more ACAP podcasts, the caregiver uh, community, on any of the platforms you use to listen to podcasts. You also can find them on our website, www.acapcommunity.org. But while you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents, our, and learn about our local chapters and all our educational programs. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Bridget and Alexis, for being here. Stay safe, you all. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.